Welcome to the Stubscast, the Stubscast Content Creator Podcast, where I interview various different content creators and ask about their journey into, into content creation and so much more. And hopefully people can learn something along the way. If you'd like to check out an uh, independent gaming website, bg4ghub.com, it's a great little website. If you also like to get yourself a custom logo or gamer picture from the graphic god, please go to www.stubscast.com xboxgamerpix.com this week's guest on the Stubscast is randall four the man with a million how are you doing i'm doing good man how are you doing thanks for having me on yeah i'm good i'm good cheers this is uh this is gonna be a, a fun thing because i don't have to talk about xbox all the time huh no you <laughs> don't stuck, no, gonna talk about myself which i don't i don't like talking about but you know uh i'm interested in seeing what uh questions you have or you know like how far we get into everything about my gaming history and all these certain things. Uh, it should be, it should be a fun time though. Oh yeah. It'd definitely be funny. Well, it's, it's always, I've been doing it since I started last year, February. And I've had quite a few people on this. People seem to like it. You know, it's a bit different from your, your normal gaming, uh, like your normal podcast where normally they talk about the latest news, etc. So it's something different for your hand to, to talk about. It is, mm-hmm. which hopefully you like. Thanks for stopping by, everyone. Thanks, um, Venomous, Pong Soul, UK Daz. Um, oh, the Daz. Yes, Daz is here. Daz, Daz is here. Yes. Daz is, Daz is pretty damn awesome. Yeah, he is. A good guy. Uh, Crispy Bomb. Uh, try and go. Game Our Views. Who else? Mike from NLG was in there earlier on. But yes, uh, Pong Soul. If I, I think I've got him. Indie Gamer. Welcome, Indie Gamer. So, um, what one of your one of your uh, the questions I've got first is um you've been you've been gaming much? I know you're a busy man. <laughs> gaming much. Uh yeah. recently, uh not this past week. Um uh, I was basically kind of I, I had f- put about 70 hours in Hitman 3 uh, over nice. the past month or so. Um, but like this past week. Uh, I kind of was just fooling around in in Hitman, doing some extra assassinations, and uh, I did a, I did a couple extra levels, uh, replayed a couple levels in Little Nightmares too. But I didn't, I didn't really game too much this week compared to previous weeks. It's kind of um, in a holding pattern, waiting for you know new releases to come out. And there, there wasn't anything uh, that came out this past week, so kind of a light gaming week for me. Fair enough. Fair enough. We can't all. Go hard all the time for uh, gaming, you know. Yeah, we'll have life, don't we? You know. But um, so where did the name Randall Four Nineteen come from then? Oh, the the name Randall Thor Nineteen. So, um, the name Randall Thor is the main character of a fantasy novel series that I pretty much adored back in high school. Um, yeah. the Wheel of Time series written by Robert Jordan. And Randall Thor is the main character of the novel. And in about in 2004, when I was setting up Xbox Live, me and my brother were setting it up. He asked me, "Hey, what do you want the 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 account to be named?" And I was like, "Randall Thor," because at the time, you know, he was my favorite, you know, fantasy series. You know, pretty much it was basically like the Wheel of Time was essentially Game of Thrones before Game of Thrones or the Song of Ice and Fire as it's called in, you know, at the, the novel. So I said Randall Thor and it was taken, right? So it was oh, like, okay. oh, it couldn't be, yeah. couldn't be Randall Thor because it was already taken on Xbox Live. So 
we just added the 19, which is my brother's birthday. He was born on the 19th of a month. I won't say which one. So Randall Thor 19 was born. It wasn't taken. And I've been Randall Thor 19 pretty much everywhere. You know, on Xbox, on PlayStation, I have a variation of it because I think someone took my name. Uh, same thing with the Nintendo Switch, but I'm Randall Thor 19 on YouTube, Randall Thor 19 on Twitter, uh, pretty much Randall Thor 19 everywhere. So since 2004, when we made this account, oh, that's good. That's a nice story, that is. Yeah, very, very good. That very good story, that is. It's a shame somebody's nicked your name on other platforms, but it's going to happen. Then you're going to get someone to get in there first. Oh, he's not got a switch. Quickly get in there, do it. You know, pretty much, yeah. <laughs> You know, but uh, yeah, that sounds good. Yeah, um, I'll, one of the biggest things I like to do on this show is I start off with have a conversation about your gaming history and find out where it all started. Mm-hmm. So you want to know where it all began for me? Yeah. Uh, yeah. All right. So, um, like pretty much. Well, I wouldn't say pretty much like everybody. Like my first console that I had was. Um, one of the Ataris. I, I don't. Re- I, the thing about it is, I remember having it, but I don't remember having. I don't remember any memories of playing it. Oh, uh, it yeah. like my memories of it were basically of it being in the closet, or I, I, I mean, I know I had like the ColecoVision as well. Yeah. Uh, but my first memories that I can think back to and remember very clearly was for the NES. Um, I remember going up to uh, Wisconsin, um, and I, I live in Chicago, Illinois. We used to. Uh, go up to Wisconsin every summer because my my family had friends up there. And we went up there one summer and my buddy up there had an NES and he was playing Punch-Out. And I remember thinking to myself, like, this is the coolest thing I've ever seen. So I asked my parents for an NES that summer and I eventually got one for my birthday. Obviously, it was uh, I was very happy about it, as you can imagine. And it was the NES that, uh, the triple pack, right? So it came with Duck Hunt. It came with Super Mario Brothers, and it came with track and field with the pad. And uh, that kind of started my love of gaming. Like, I ended up owning over 200 NES games. Uh, My my grandparents. Big collection. Yeah, my grandparents would spoil me uh, every Christmas. Like, I would get like 20, like 15 to 20 NES games every single, like, you know, uh, Christmas holiday. And and for birthdays, I would get a lot. So I had a lot of, I, I had a lot of NES titles. But, um, and I know this is probably funny because most people know I'm not a big fan of Nintendo anymore. And that's basically because like once the NES, uh, you know, generation ended, it was either the Genesis or the Super Nintendo. And my parents ended up getting us a super, uh, not a Super Nintendo, a Genesis. Great. So I ended up being a, a Genesis kid. Like I had the Sega Genesis. Cool. I had the Sega CD. I had the Sega 32X. And I had like 100 games for the console. And I never ended up owning a Super Nintendo. And one of my gaming shames is I never actually played a Super Nintendo game. Even to this day, I've never played a Super Nintendo title. So, you know, obviously then I owned like a a Saturn and a Dreamcast and all that stuff. But eventually, um, I got really heavy into PlayStation. Uh, PlayStation 1, PlayStation 2, um... My buddies owned a 64, and we would go over there uh, pretty much not every single night, but a lot of the nights and kind of sit there and, and play WCW versus NWO Revenge or WWF No Mercy. 
And I just remember having very fond memories of, of playing together with my buddies in the, that R- Royal Rumble mode that you could do. Um, you know, and I was a big PlayStation fan, PS1, PS2, uh, Grand Theft Autos, the Metal Gears, the Devil May Cries, like such a great couple generations there. And then um, while I was waiting for the PS3 to get announced, um, you know, the Xbox had come out and yeah. I didn't get the original Xbox until 2004 when Halo 2 was about to uh, get released. Like I completely skipped, you know, like the launch and a couple years after it, because like I was a a PlayStation fan. And, you know, even though I was working at the time, I didn't want to spend the money on the Xbox because I was like, you know, like PlayStation 2 had everything I ever wanted. So like, what's the point? It's true. Yeah. Right. Um, and then eventually, like, I ended up working a better job and he had more money. So I was like, I'm going to buy myself an or- original Xbox. And I bought it uh, for Knights of the Republic and I bought it for Jade Empire. Um, but then, like, my, one of my buddies was like, oh, you need to play Halo. And this is right around the two, uh, the hype of Halo 2 was coming out. Right. So, like, yeah. I was like, all right, I'm going to play the original Halo. And original Halo, you know, three years after it first came out, people were talking about how revolutionary it was. And I, and I just didn't see it. Like I was just like, and I, because like at the time I was a big Half-Life fan and I, and I was like, I don't know if this is as good as Half-Life was. Um, but then I, but then Halo 2 released and I got on Xbox live and it forever changed because like I was addicted to the multiplayer of Halo, uh, Halo 2. I played Halo 2 every single day for like over a year. Um, I ha- I played something like eight thousand games. I have something like fifty thousand kills in Halo Two. Nice. <laughs> um, I lost a job over it because I didn't go in because all I wanted to do was play Halo Two. <laughs> and you know, with Sony then saying, "Hey, you get a second job for the PS3 and yeah, PS3 six hundred bucks," I was just yeah. like, you know, like I don't need the PlayStation anymore. They clearly lost it. They didn't have any games that appealed to me, even though Metal Gear Solid Four was coming at some point. So I was like, oh man, it's the 360, like all the way. Like I'm I'm a huge Halo fan now. Like, and yeah, the 360 went right into that. Obviously, I mean, even though the launch wasn't spectacular, like with Perfect Dark, it was all about like the upscaled version of Halo, because I would just keep on yeah. playing that. But then eventually, like you got stuff like Elder Scrolls 4, Oblivion, and Saints Row. And you know, uh, Gears of War, like no, all I, in that time frame, I'm right? Where, yeah, where where it was basically like, oh, okay, all the games are here. So it's like I made the right choice. Uh, Bioshock ended up being like exclusive, and obviously, I, since I was such a Halo fan, like was looking forward to Halo Three. And then I got addicted to achievements. Like I remember first time playing. I think the first first game I played on the 360 was uh, Call of Duty Two. And I remember getting the, the achievement pop, and I was just like, "What is this? What is what? What is this achievement pop? Like, huh? Like, yeah. this is this is strange." And normally, I would just beat a game uh, and then move on to the next game. That's how I've kind of always operated uh, from the NES. Was like we had so many games because we would beat a game and then we would move on to the next game. And you know, my grandparents would always you know basically give us more games. And that kind of has always been my MO, uh, basically move on from one game to the next. And I wouldn't really challenge myself, so to speak. Like I would just play it on normal difficulty because I was more about having experienced the game rather than like owning said game or like trying to beat it on the hardest difficulty. So I was like, you know what? 
I play the game on normal, but then Call of Duty, something changed in my brain where it was like, oh, okay, so I can get these achievements, this gamer score, but if I want to get all of it, I have to play it on the hardest difficulty. And I made a conscious choice to actually attempt to get all the achievements, so I, I played it on the hardest difficulty. And from there, yeah, like it was born. Like I was addicted to achievements. You know, I would play games for achievements. I, I started up a Gamefly. Uh, I, I had Gamefly already, um, yeah. but I started, uh, I went from a one, one out at a time uh, to like four out at a time. And I would just rent games from Gamefly to play all these games I never would have played previously because, you know, I couldn't afford it or, or what have you. And I would play through the titles. Uh, and I would try to get as much gamer score by playing on the hardest difficulty if it was required. And of course, I played games I'm not too exactly proud of, like you know, My Horse and Me Too and Hannah Montana, and um, what, you know, game school, didn't it? Yeah, the game, yeah. the game, the games you had to play back then because there yeah. wasn't a lot of releases, so you had to play to them. You, sorry, did I used to give you more gamer score than I give you now, or they a bit? No, it was it was always score? it was always just Same. a thousand. It was okay, it was, fair. and it was never more than that. Um, but yeah, so I just kept before out from Gamefly the entire generation, just playing as many games as I possibly could, buying DLC, buying indie titles on the 360, uh, playing everything, uh, to basically do this thing. And then, uh, and at the time, uh, there was cheating going on in the 360 gamer score world. What's like there was a, there was a community uh, people who got uh, you know achievements and stuff, and unfortunately, people were cheating their leaderboard positions by oh. uh, various different methods, like game saving or profile glitching. And a lot of people thought Microsoft would never do anything about it, and then they did. They basically reset all the cheaters' gamer scores to zero, <laughs> and then all the people that were legit were left. And it was like number one was Stallion eighty three. And then I was, you know, like number 10 or something. So I kind of was like, ah, you know, this is something I could essentially go for. And I eventually made my way up to like number four um, and hit the million gamer score, uh, you know, in 2016 at like number fifth in the world. Uh, And then um, I ended up getting a PlayStation 4 in 2017. I have a Switch. I have a PlayStation 5. Uh, but yeah, that's my journey, man. That's, uh, you know, started with the NES. Well, it started with the, the Atari and the ColecoVision, but I don't remember that. But yeah, NES to, to Sega, to PlayStation, to Xbox. Uh, that's that's my journey. Halo, you know, being like the game, my favorite franchise, you know, <laughs> like uh, it's crazy. You know, it's it's been a long time. It's been a long road to get here, yeah, I guess. It was. No, yeah, it's got a good history. Did you ever, were you ever into the arcades when you were younger when oh yeah 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 totally guy oh yeah uh we had an arcade uh, at our ne- uh bowling alley nearby um okay, which far. wasn't which wasn't far it was about uh, about a mile uh from my house and dude dude <laughs> i would i so <laughs> my my dad uh who um who who worked downtown and um he would always come home but like in the closet he would keep these milk milk cartons right these like uh the one gallon ones right and in it he would put his change so when he wasn't home i would take the milk cartons i would take the milk carton out and take all the quarters or a lot of the quarters right yeah so i would save them up and then when nobody was home or when i thought like nobody would be home for a while i would hop on my bike 
and I would ride the mile up to the bowling bowling alley. And my favorite game to play was Ultimate Mortal Kombat Three or Mortal Kombat Three. Um, nice. I was really good at it too. But like, I would also not only play Mortal Kombat, but you would go there and you would play, you know, NBA Jam. You'd play the Simpsons game and or whatever you know they had at the arcade. Is I would ride up there with the quarters I took from my dad, and I would just sit there and you know spend maybe forty five minutes in the arcade playing you know Daytona USA or whatever whatever games. Yeah. But mainly, my love for the arcade revolved around the Mortal Kombat franchise, Mortal Kombat 2, Mortal Kombat 1, Mortal Kombat 3. Uh, so, yeah, at, at, at that point, um, I definitely loved the arcade. So Yeah, no, that's, that's, that's a good story. Did you ever get caught? And did your dad ever notice no. you in the kingdom? No, I'm sure, I'm sure he knew somebody was taking quarters, <laughs> yeah. but, like, I don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think it bothered him too much. I, I didn't try to take too much, you know? I would just grab a handful, enough to last me, like, half an hour and go up. And, uh, you know, try my hand at beating the campaign. But then, you know, obviously somebody would always come in and be like, I got next and, and fight. Um, yeah, and I loved, I loved watching people play Mortal Kombat. Um, so, yeah, going the arcades are great. I haven't been back in a while. I don't even know if the arcade's still there because I haven't been to that bowling alley. And, God, it's, it's been decades at this point. But, yeah, some, some, some really good memories of, of that. And, of course, <laughs> that's also where I would uh, go to smoke. Sometimes, like you eventually got older and you yeah. started cig- smoking cigarettes, and we would go to one of the places we would go to when we were younger was the bowling alley in the arcade thing and just smoke and play play video games. So, yeah. Nice. But did, did you ever get into? Because obviously, I had um, I've had Lord Cognito on there before, and he mentioned that he was always in the arcades, but he used to like battle people and t- challenge everyone and take them on in the uh, in the arcade games. Did you, did you ever do that, or were you really into that? I mean, I, I would play people. I, I don't think I would go out of my way to challenge people. Um, I know people would challenge me. Like, I'd be doing, like, a ladder in Mortal Kombat, and somebody would, like, put in the, uh, you know, their quarter to, to fight me or whatever. I wasn't always... I wasn't someone looking to fight other people. Mm-hmm. I was always kind of looking to have uh, just, like, um, uh, a solo experience most of the time because that's what I enjoyed. So... But you know, Cognito's the gaming ninja, so I'm not surprised he 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 seeked out opponents. You know, yeah, you know, yeah. It's, it sounds like a lot of fun. I, I don't actually have any experience with arcades at all. You know, I I live in where I live, very rural. We don't have arcades at all. <laughs> we don't, especially when I was a kid. You know, but yeah, it sounds like fun. Run. There's an interesting story about. Your arcade experience, which is it's always good to hear people's arcade experience because for a lot of people they have fond memories of the arcade to do. It's not a big yeah. thing. It's not a big thing. It's not really a big thing anymore, is it? Everyone's got consoles at home. Yeah, I mean, there's still places like Dave and Buster's that have like that experience, but I haven't been to one of those. And it's and it's funny because like the bowling alley was connected to this uh, this pharmacy that ha- would have magazines. And I remember going in there and uh, going to the magazine section and seeing like the latest EGM or, you know, game pro. And then uh, seeing the list of fatalities for the characters from Mortal Kombat and like trying to memorize 
what the fatalities uh, were so I could use them in the arcade I was about going to. Sometimes I would even just rip out the page and not pay for the, uh, not pay for, for the, uh, the, the magazine or whatever. But yeah, yeah, like I would go there, I would go, I would go to the pharmacy. I would look at the magazine and they'd be like, Oh, okay. Like I'm going to play Raiden today. These are Raiden's moves and Raiden's fatality. And then I would walk to the bowling alley, which is right next door and be like in my head. Okay. You know, like down, down, forward you know uh, high punch or whatever to try to remember and memorize the different fatalities for the characters because you know those were always uh pretty damn cool like to pull off especially against other people you know oh yeah 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 you're definitely right you are but yeah no that sounds like a really really fun experience i mean and then going next (laughs) ripping pages out of um the magazines as well to help you you know Mm mm-hmm that's cool. That is um, a, a question I ask a lot of people. That some people think it might—it's it, a weird one. But out of all your retro consoles, not—I don't mean Xbox. I mean retro-wise. What would you say your favorite uh, console controller was to use? Um. Hmm. Um. I believe there was a Genesis controller that had six buttons like ABC and then XYZ at the top uh, above the ABC. Yeah. That would probably be my favorite. I, I wasn't a fan of the GameCube controller. I wasn't a fan of the 64 controller. Why? Okay. Um, I thought the NES controller was a little bit too basic, but I, in my mind, I pictured a Sega Genesis controller that had six buttons for whatever reason, A, B, and C, and then XYZ at the top. Um, so if I couldn't say the 360 controller... Uh, that would probably be my favorite retro controller. Yeah, no, it's a good pick. In uh, in in Britain, it's, uh, it's Sega Mega Drive. I've, I've actually got one plugged up now. I have, and it's obviously that the, there's the three button controller, but you can buy a six button controller as well. You can, yeah, you can. But yeah, I might have to buy that six button one at, at some point. I will. But yeah, no, it's good. It's a good pick, man. That is. Um. Definitely. What what was your kind of from what from what, what I'm getting is your favorite kind of retro game back then was fighting. Would that be correct? Or I mean, yeah, I mean, I was out. I, I was in Mortal. I was in heavy to Mortal Kombat then. Yeah, uh, I made sure to get the Mortal Kombat when it came out, and that could have been one of the reasons why I asked for Genesis because Mortal Kombat with blood was coming to Genesis, and the six and the Nintendo or the Super Nintendo version didn't have blood. Or the fatalities, or the fatalities were different, or whatever. But I remember like Mortal Kombat being a big factor in my decision of wanting a Genesis instead of a Super Nintendo. So yeah, probably if retro game for sure. Like Mortal Kombat was a big part of my, you know, like and Punch Out like was the reason I got an NES in the first place and started all this. So Punch Out and, and Mortal Kombat would be the two. Oh, because some good picks there. So, what was that? Um, so, if you were going to go for, if you were to say, if I was to say to you, were you a big Sega guy or were you a big Nintendo? I, I'm safe to assume you, you'd, you'd lean towards the Sega side, wouldn't you? As a Sega guy. Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. Which is cool. Nice. Um, so, if you were to. Pick modern day controllers. Which one would it be? <laughs> I know that um, maybe. I mean, the Xbox Series X controller, Series S controller is 
uh, my favorite. But that's, I mean, the the DualSense is the best controller PlayStation's ever made. But the only issue and the reason why I wouldn't put DualSense number one is because uh, they have um, symmetrical sticks and uh, symmetrical sticks aren't the way to go. Uh, the best the best controllers are the ones that have offset sticks, uh, asymmetrical. So that's why the Xbox controller will always be better than the PlayStation controller. In my opinion, of course, because that, that gets people angry, you know? So Everyone's got a different view on, on what they like. Just just because you like that's your view on it, but some people get really salty about stuff like that. But if it, it's like like I, I I used to have a PS4 um, at the start of the generation Xbox One. I got an Xbox One. I got rid of it, and I got a PS4. For years, I had a PS4 controller, but I always preferred the Xbox controller. It's so much bigger. Uh, like I'm with you as well. The Xbox Series S and X. They're so much better than the Xbox One controller. Mm-hmm. No, because it's just a feel of it. I can't, you know, because um, I said to someone, oh, the controller won't be much different. So I tried it and I'm like, yeah, yeah. No, no. This controller's much better. You know, it is. But, uh, but yeah, so with content creation, before you ever considered considered getting into content creation, did you watch YouTube? Was there anyone out there? Was there any podcasts or what made you want to get into it? Um, so, uh, let's see. Um, so at the time when, when I talked about the gamer score and how I was like high up on the leaderboard, I became yeah. really good friends with a bunch of people. One of them being Stallion 83, yeah. um, my buddy, Omega D's, uh, Black Silva and Pigamus Prime, who I think, Pagamus Prime is like third overall for gamer score, number one in the UK. Uh, we started a podcast called the Gamer Score Popcast back in like 2014, 2013. It went on for quite some time. Um, we just kind of loved talking about games, talking about what was going on in the, the gaming world, what was going on with the achievements back then. Uh, and there's some, still some people now who, when I do the Xbox Two podcast, will be like, "Oh man, you remember the Gamerscore podcast back in the day? It was great." So I, I had been podcasting since like 2012, 2011. I, I forget exactly when that show started, but um, I don't re- like really like m- the podcast I listened to um, back then. Uh, EGM had a podcast with like Shane Bettenhausen and Luke Smith. And um, I forget who else was on there. Like um, I, I listened to their show quite a bit. I also, when uh, Jeff Gertzman uh, got fired from GameSpot and formed Giant Bomb, I started listening to Giant Bomb quite a bit. Oh, um, yeah. But yeah, for me, like we started doing the podcast uh, back in like 2012 or whatever for, for that, that kind of transformed into uh we did it for a little bit and then we, I think we ended it in 2015 and then, um, you know, it's, you know, I'm sure we'll talk about it, but then we, we, I went into like TXR, but for me, like, um, I wasn't very much of a big YouTube watcher, uh, back in the day. Uh, I was pretty much focused on, on gaming, uh, playing as many games as possible, uh, I didn't really even consider YouTube that much. Uh, sometimes I would listen to, like I mentioned, EGM 
or one up as it was called back then and, and the giant bomb guys, but I wasn't really heavy into YouTube. So yeah. Yeah. Nice. That's fair enough. So when did you actually think I want to actually have a go at this and actually produce, produce a video? And did you like look on guides and did you do a lot of research on how to make your first video and watch, watch uh, videos on YouTube? Did you dig into it deep or did you just give it a quick go? Or So um, I, my first video I think was um, I use windows live movie maker. And I remember asking around like, Hey, what could I use? And, I, and my PC, which was older PC at the time, I actually still had windows live movie maker. And it was, it was pretty simple. It was just like I, I used voice recorder um, to record the voice and I would put it into Windows Live Movie Maker and then I would just put like whatever video I wanted in, into it. And sometimes to make it easier, I learned how to use OBS where it was like, okay, I'm looking at the website and all I got to do is like kind of click the microphone icon and just talk. And that was easier ways for me to get content out there. I don't really... I didn't look heavily into how to do any of that stuff. It was like, I remember talking to uh, a couple people, I, f- I forget who, and they was like, oh, well, if you don't, you know, you if you don't want to pay for anything, which I didn't at the time, uh, you can just use Windows Live Movie Maker and you can yeah. use OBS, which was which is free, and uh, go from there. So if you watch my earlier videos, which I recommend you don't, because oh, they're the bad. Uh, they're very bad. Um that's pretty much what I would do. Uh, uh, Xbox had, well, I would, you know, actually I used my very first videos. I actually used the Xbox uh, upload studio. So, so I'm hundred oh, percent. Okay. So eventually I did use windows live movie maker only because Xbox, the upload studio on Xbox was so inconsistent and anybody who's made videos about this, uh, you, you, Xbox videos or videos in general, using Upload Studios know how horrible it was. Like you can ask me and Dealer Gaming have talked about this. Be like, bro, do you remember Upload Studio and how horrible it was? And I'm like, yeah. So I originally started out my channel with making videos with Upload Studio because it was easy. Like you would take some click clicks uh, clicks with uh, the game DVR of whatever game you were talking about. And then you would basically uh, put them and, and splice them together in Upload Studio and record your voiceover over the gameplay. And then it would have to render and do all these things. But then sometimes yeah. it wouldn't render and there was no way to save a project. So if it didn't render, you completely lost it, which means you would lose the voiceover. So there, I remember there are some times uh, where I had to record videos like five or six times because the because it wouldn't render the video and it would just would fail. And I just had enough of the upload studio and I was just like, you know what? I need something more consistent. So that's when I made the move to windows live movie maker. Um, but yeah, I still remember up upload studio was how I made my first videos, like take some clips on the game DVR, put them in the, the upload studio, record a voiceover and, you know, upload it. And then because then you could, after it finished rendering, then you could upload it directly to your YouTube channel from the Xbox, and uh, that's how I did all of that. So, yeah, no, yeah, that's nice. Do you do you wish they would upgrade, upload, upload studio and bring it back, or um, die, die a death? <laughs> it, 
I mean, sure, it would be cool if they brought it back. I, I wouldn't use it uh, because you move on to bigger and better things. Exactly. But, I mean, PlayStation has a pretty damn good uh, content creation tool that they have with the uh, Share Factory. And uh, the Upload Studio was just something that Microsoft made and they didn't end up supporting. Like, uh, So it's never coming back. I remember people thinking that it would, and I was all had always been told, like, nope, nobody uses Upload Studio. There's no point. Uh, so yeah, I don't hold out hope. I upload studios, never coming back. Xbox is done with that essentially. So, um, you know, it's end of an era, but you know, if you want to be, I guess, you know, if you want to put out content, you're just going to have to do it on the PC. Uh, you know, I mean, or you can do it on the PlayStation. Um, you know, you can do it there, but, um, it's a little disappointing that Xbox started that and then they, they didn't follow through and make it any better for people. It was just, it only got worse as time went on. And then eventually like it just, it sucked to the point now where I don't, nobody uses it. So yeah, it was a nightmare. Like Indy said, very much a nightmare. So yeah, uh, using upload studio, despite the fact you don't like your old indie videos, indie game. I loved your old videos. Yeah. I mean, fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I appreciate that. And I used to do more indie spotlights for games because that's how I started the channel, talking about the games I really like playing, which I don't really do anymore because, uh, you know, people have told me that they don't want that uh, type of content. So I basically shifted the the reviews and the spotlight stuff into the podcast where we always talk about, uh, you know, the games we're playing in the beginning and, and stuff. But, yeah, it was pretty much made crystal clear to me uh that nobody wants rand's indie spotlight uh on the channel to do with, did people say that or oh yeah i got my, i would get messages all, all the time that, about it 100 uh, percent. yeah or was that translated in your views could you see people well i mean you can see what people want to yeah. watch and exactly. definitely translated in the views but then also definitely translated into messages so oh um, fair enough i just wondered that was all because they are I looked it up. You've got 135 videos in that series, and that's that's quite a. There's a lot of content there. There is a lot of, a lot of good games because some someone with a channel your size really highlights the indie games. It'd be really good if you, you could make a few a year. But if, if it's obviously not what your fan base want, then that's fair enough, isn't it? You know. Yeah, I mean, I still talk about every game we play on the podcast. So if people you know, want to listen to if there's a great indie game that comes out, I definitely talk about it. Um, but yeah, people, people made their opinions very clear. So I stopped doing it. Um, even though like my love for certain indies haven't diminished whatsoever. It's just that, you know, it, it, it was also a little bit different. Um, cause you would, you would take some clips and you would just record and you would be done with a review in five minutes. Right. Or however yeah. long it would, it, it, the video is, Cause I wouldn't edit anything. I would just speak and I would just put the video out. But now a uh, video for me takes like, you know, anywhere between two and a half to three and a half hours to make. So there's a lot more that goes into it now. And, um, it just essentially isn't worth the time anymore, you know? So, yeah, no, I couldn't, I couldn't understand that. I can, because obviously videos take a lot of time to put together and make, make, because imagine you've got to make sure you've got it right. Yeah. Have you ever done a video, then rendered it, then realized, oh, damn, that's that bit's wrong. I had to go back and yep. re-edit it and then re-render it. 
Yeah, I've had that happen a couple times where uh, I may have not have uh, muted the, uh, the audio for whatever clip I brought in. So I've had that happen once where I remember getting DM being like, hey, the audio for this is screwed up. So I had to go back and uh, re-render it. I've also had instances where I'd make a video where they're talking about an event and using certain clips. And then when I upload it to YouTube, uh, Capcom or Rockstar would claim the video because I used a certain amount of footage from their oh, games. Okay. So then, okay, well, then you got to re-render the video, take out, you got to take out the the clips that caused uh, you know the companies to claim your video uh, and change it, and then re-upload it. Uh, but I've only had a couple instances where I actually released the video and had to take it down and change it and then re-release it. So. It's mostly oh. been pretty good with that because you because right. normally I mean, now I normally listen like this is how early ran versus ran now okay in the yeah. beginning I would record it and I you know there'd be times like where we're speaking now where you use your vocal fillers yeah. like um like you know you know stuff like that like where people you try to transition from one thought to the other and back then I didn't care if those were in the video it was just part of the video making process right so. I wouldn't edit those out. And that's why a video would only take like 10 minutes for me to pull. I would just speak and any sort of mistakes that were in the video or any vocal fillers I would have there, I would keep in. But a video now for me is, <laughs> I know some people say that they think I use a script now, but all my videos are hundred percent off the cuff. I don't use a script. Way. I don't, but, but yeah. I edit my videos in a way that makes it sound like it because I edit out every single mistake. I edit out all the vocal fillers I have and I stitch it together in a way where it sounds like one thought immediately transitions into the next thought because I also cut out the dead airspace uh, in between certain um, uh, clips because I don't record in one go anymore. I record in blocks. Like I'll have a section of a block that's a minute long and I'll talk stop and then I'll, I'll start it up again and talk and stop right okay. and then I, and I edit it together i get rid of all the vocal fillers i get rid of the dead air space so it does sound like i'm actually reading off of something when in reality i'm just speaking off the top of my head and because of that it the videos take hot like um like i said a video before would take 10 minutes to to do a video now takes like two and a half to three hours, depending on how heavily edited I want the actual video production to be. Cause sometimes I do skimp on the video production, depending on how much time I have left to release it. But I also heavily edit, edit the, edit the audio to make it sound like uh, it is scripted when it's actually not. Yeah, no, you got a good, a good style. I mean, I never actually, when I listened to your, your videos, I, I didn't actually think you had a script in front of you. I thought maybe he's got a little notepad with, you know, key points, but I didn't actually think it was scripted. Um, it, doesn't, it doesn't seem scripted anyway. I, um, I, I, I have, I have like a, when we do the podcast with Jez, I have, uh, topics like a little notes, like, yeah. uh, Xbox FPS boost. And then like, it'll be like Nintendo direct. Right. So I can look at it and say, okay, what topic do I want to hit next? But I've never actually written out anything. Um, sometimes when I when I make a prediction video, what I think about Xbox is doing in 2021, for example, yeah. I'll have it written out like uh, like Forza Five or Starfield, right? A list of things, uh, but it's never like 
it's never completely written. Like I'll have things where I look over to the side and I'm talking about something. I look like, Oh yeah, I need to still hit on Xbox live gold pricing or something along those lines. And then, you know, looking over and I remember, okay, I need to still speak about this, but yeah, everything I do is off the, uh, you know, top of my head. I know dealers the same way. Uh, some people accuse dealer of, you know, reading off a script, but he doesn't. And I've actually, I've heard it when he records he's just incredible when it comes to like off the cuff, uh, jokes and things like that. Like I'm not good at that stuff. I, I don't think I've ever been, um, uh, so yeah, I see uh, gaming differently with Zebra Paul says, do you drop the edited audio first and drop the visuals? Yeah. So the first thing I do in a video is I record the audio. And then once I'm done with the audio, I go back through the audio again and cut out all the mistakes, cut out all the vocal fillers. I cut out the, the gaps in the dead space. And then once the audio is edited completely, I then go through and I'll layer in the, um, you know, the article, whatever I may be reading from at the right moments. And then I'll add the video on top of it. But that's how my, my process works. Yeah, no, that's, that's good to hear that is. It's, um, it's something that I rarely make. I can make videos, but not, not quite at your level. I'm going to have to try and make some sooner. Well, and try and learn all that process, but you make some top quality videos, especially it's nice to see when you've come from going back, Right, I know you don't like it, but going right back to your first videos, to your videos now, you can definitely tell the improvement. Well, yeah, so um, I talked to a dealer and I talked to Colt about things I could do to improve. And one of the things they told me was like, you always got to be excited about what you're talking about. So I think you yeah. can definitely listen to my videos before and my videos now. Um, I amped up the energy level because if people listen to your videos and you don't sound excited to talk about whatever you're talking about, then why would anybody be excited to listen to what you're talking about? Right. Yeah. So sure. you have to sound excited. And sometimes that basically translate to speaking loudly into your microphone. So what I do is yeah. I have, I have a blue, I have a Yeti microphone, right. But I have the audio capture lowered. Uh, right now I think I have it at 95 because that's what I normally do for a podcast. But when I record in Adobe Premiere Pro, I actually lower the audio from capture from 95 to like 65, right? So it doesn't peak as much and I can actually get in close to my mic and talk really loudly. Uh, And when it plays back, it's just about at the right peak where it makes it sound like, like I'm, I'm talking very excitedly about the things I'm talking about, but not to the point where like it's overbearing and it's peaking all over the place where it's, it's painful to listen to. Um, so basically like, yeah, you have to be excited to talk about things. I think people don't realize that like, oh, I'm just going to talk about how I, how I normally talk, but I've noticed as a viewer, as well as like from people have mentioned to me is like, you need to be excited. If you're not excited about it, then other people won't be excited to listen to it. And since, you know, YouTube's all about repeat, uh, business, so to speak, like getting people to always watch your videos then you have to bring that excitement. You have to bring that knowledge. You have to bring that uh, entertainment. You have to be funny. You, you got to do a whole bunch of different things. But the most important thing is like the excitement. If you know, if you're not excited, then you can't expect anybody else to be. So you know, they helped me kind of uh, change my style because my style of video making was completely, completely different. If you listen to the beginning, than what it is now, and that's also because of how much more time I take uh, editing the videos now than I, than I did before, but it's all about also giving 
the viewers the information they want right away and not wasting people's times. I'm sure you guys have listened to content creators where they ramble on and on about something where they don't get to the point right away. Right. The thing is, it's like, you got to respect what your audience wants and you have to respect their time because if you don't like they're they may give you a couple listens and then they'll stop listening. So the most important thing outside of being excited about what you're talking about is get to your point right away. Like you can't sit there and ramble for six minutes about nonsense and still hope that people are going to stick around. You have to get to the point and the topic of the video right away. And once you do that, uh, you can kind of expand upon it, give your own viewpoints, your own opinions about what you think, uh, you know, whether whatever news story it is or whatever review you're talking about. But you have to get to the topic of the video immediately. And in my opinion, you also, since we're respecting people's times, you got to edit out your mistakes. You got to edit out your vocal fillers. Because are you really respecting your audience if you're not taking the time to edit your videos, but you still expect your audience to watch your videos all the way through? Um, So that's one of the reasons why I decided that I was going to do that. I was going to respect my audience's time and essentially cut out all my mistakes because there is a lot. I make a lot lot of mistakes when I record a video. And, uh, you know, it's not fair to the audience that, They'd have to sit there and listen to me go, um, you know, uh, uh, you know, and all those, all those things. Yeah. So it's like, okay, I'm just cutting it out and I'm, I'm putting it together. So it's really fast and quick. So when they watch, it's like, boom, 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 boom. Okay. Here's the intro. Uh, what we know what Rand's talking about. Rand's okay. Here's, here's the point of the video. Here's like whatever news thing. And it's all presented pretty quickly so people can get what they want. And then they can stick around and hear what I have to say about it. And I'm respecting people's time. Uh, by getting to it fast, by getting to it as fast as I can, and also by editing in all my uh, out all my mistakes, you know that like we're making right now when I talk and all this stuff, but it, it sounds different. So it's like you try to respect the the time that that your audience has. At least that's that's kind of like my uh, viewpoint on it all. No, no, that's an excellent advice. It's uh, that was great knowledge you dropped there, Randy. It was it's, it's good to learn something about the process of what you do. And you are right, you are. When I listen to your videos, brands, uh, cults, etc., you, you don't get all these ums, ums, you know, and they don't repeat themselves because you, you know the channels I'm on about where they hit one topic video, but instead of it being five or ten minutes, it's half an hour, mm-hmm. you know, and you, you, you won't get a lot of views that way, will you? Because someone's not listening for half an hour, are they? No, no, no. Yeah. I mean, definitely not. Um, I mean, the length of videos is always dependent on the type of person you are. I mean, there's, I mean, the YouTube al- algorithm likes certain, you know, lengths of videos better, more than others and stuff like that. But it basically boils down to the videos as long as it needs to be, right? If the yeah. video needs to only be six minutes long, then the video is only six minutes long. If the video needs to be 10 minutes long, then the video is 10 minutes long. The video should only be as long as it needs to be. And I made that some mistake earlier in in my uh, YouTube uh, content career where I would drag things out and people have talked to me about that. And, you know, that's I'm always looking to improve. Uh, And, yeah, there was points, you know, years ago where I would intentionally drag out subjects um, to make the videos longer than I should have. And it was a mistake, uh, you know, but like I was just somebody just learning. 
And um, I went back and I rectified that. So like I would ramble on in the beginning and, and take, you know, too long to get to the point of the video and then ramble on later. And I realized like, I'm not respecting my audience's time. I need to get to the point faster. I need to ramble less. Everything needs to be about the topic at hand uh, instead of just like, you know, uh, what I had for breakfast or whatever. Sometimes I'll throw stuff in there. Like one of my recent videos, like, Hey, winter's been bad. I, you know, it snowed another 15 inches, but you have to make it really short. It can't yeah, be okay. a two minute preamble about, you know, Xbox doing something because nobody pretend, nobody wants to listen to you talk about your life at the beginning of a video when the video is talking about a topic. The topic is what they're interested in. You might be able to ramble a little bit at the end after you've gotten to the topic, but nobody wants to hear you ramble for two to three minutes beforehand. They want the information that you promised at the beginning of the video. Um, and that's kind of the way I've, 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 I've been doing my stuff since. So... Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's good to hear some re really, really good advice there, Ron. Thanks. So, obviously, you started off in the most basic software and hardware. Obviously, your videos have improved over time. What kind of um, software and hardware do you use nowadays? I presume it's you've upgraded your PC and you. Yeah, I bought a new PC. Now. I bought a new PC in March or uh, in t at the end of 2017. I'm also going to be buying another new PC this year because nice. this one is getting a little bit outdated and I want to move my production up to 4K videos. This video, this computer can do 4K videos. It just takes a little bit longer on the rendering side. So I want to um, I want to take the next step. I, all my videos I put out are in 1080p 60, but I want to take the next step and go up to 4K 60. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to get a better PC later on in the year. Um, yeah, I started out with Upload Studio. Um, and then I moved to Windows Live Movie Maker, uh, where I record the audio and voice in a, like, uh, the voice recorder. Yeah. And then I basically made the next step and started doing all my videos in Adobe Premiere Pro. Um, I pay for, you know, the monthly subscription where I also get like Photoshop and media encoder and after effects and all that stuff. Um, as well. And I've been paying for that since I forget when I moved to Premiere Pro. It's been a couple years at this point, but um, yeah, so I use Premiere Pro now. Um, I'm, I'm not good at it. Like, like Colt or dealer is or, or any like professionals. Like I, I basically taught my, the basics, you know, uh, I know how to do certain things uh, and it can be a little bit overwhelming, but I, you know, I know how to, you know, <laughs> I, there's a lot, I guess what I'm saying is there's a lot there to learn for Premiere Pro and I'm not at the level of dealer or Colt. Uh, they like Colt is amazing when it comes to the content he can make in Premiere Pro. He's so good at that stuff. Me, I'm just like, I'm just like, okay, I put in, okay, here's the audio. I record right in Premiere Pro, right? There's a little like uh, mic icon, promote, right? I record right into it, uh, edit the audio. You know, I have some hotkeys set up. So when I'm like, Listening through the audio, I, I press the space bar to start, space bar to stop. I have a Z uh, is basically um, set to um, what's Z set to uh, cut. So like when I when I'm doing with the, the mouse, I have this. Uh, I can just press Z to to cut, uh, and then uh, X is uh, ripple delete. So what I do is I'll you know I'll go and I'll, okay here's a mistake. Press Z to cut it. Okay, here's the end of the mistake. Z to cut it, and then I'll highlight that uh, section, and I'll press X to uh, ripple delete it, which moves everything over, so I don't okay. have to reconnect everything. And then it's just, yeah, you just it's just muscle memory. I'm just like listen to the videos. Like, okay, press spacebar to start. Oops, spacebar to stop. There's a mistake. 
um, you know, put mutmas over it, cut it with uh, Z. Okay, here's the end of that. Cut it with Z, highlight it, press, you know, X to remove, uh, ripple, delete everything. And that's how, uh, you know, I've kind of uh, gotten a little bit better at using Premiere Pro, but like I'm still just pretty much an amateur <laughs> at it. You know what I mean? Well, your video is a, a very, very good high quality anyway. So I don't think you've got any worries there. But obviously, with these programs, there's always room to learn, isn't there? You know, oh, there's always things you can learn from it. Yeah. So. Yeah, there is. Uh, but yes, yeah, it's, it's, it's. So would you. When would you say you, your channel with your videos, um, when you you started to notice that you were gaining serious traction? Um, when did I notice I was gaining serious traction? Um, I mean, last year was pretty good for me. I think I doubled my sub count last year. I went from like 30,000 to like 70, nice. 72,000 or something. Last year was a great year. Um, people are obviously were very interested in knowing about the, the specs of the series X and X, S and the PS five before they came out. So there was always that, uh, then there was like the events that they put on and people wanted to know what was happening and what would be at the events. And then there was the Bethesda acquisition. Um, so last year was my best year ever on YouTube, uh, sub wise views wise. Um, but you know, it's, it's, it's a long journey. Like, um, like I've it's been something I've been doing, you know, as a hobby since I started at the end of 2016. So I, I always say like I started in 2017. So it's, it's just yeah. been a hobby of mine. Uh, I've been doing since then. And you know, it was nice. It was like you, you do it and people seem to like what you do and you get followers and subscribers and people watch the content. And then uh, YouTube starts pushing you. Cause that's kind of what happened. And before you know it, like I'm, almost at 80,000 subscribers. Um, so yeah, I mean, definitely you'll, you'll hit hundred well before the end of the year. Yeah, de- definitely him. last year, definitely last year was like, uh, the big, uh, big year. I mean, it was just incredible. Like I, I don't know why YouTube picked me and cause YouTube is very, YouTube does pick winners and losers. They, they recommend or they don't recommend, uh, you know, and there was times where my videos weren't recommended. And then last year, there was definitely times where YouTube pushed some of my videos to the moon and it's happened for a lot of different people. And you just got to go with the flow. Like right now, uh, February, it's always happens beginning of the year, January, February, March views are a little bit deflated. That's kind of how cyclical all this stuff is. Um, and it's never to get really discouraged if you put out a video and it's not doing as well, or if you do a podcast and it's, the numbers that you're doing aren't as good um, as they say. Comparison is the, th- is the thief of joy, right? So yeah. I know a lot of people look at it and be like, "Oh my god!" Like my podcast only had 400 people this week. You know, last year I was I was doing a thousand or whatever. I was doing 800. Yeah. Um, you know, different time periods. Uh, clear, like uh, always have different. Um, for whatever reason, there's there's that cyclical nature, and it's not. You know, you, you shouldn't get down on yourself. Like. You just do your best every single time and, you know, see where it takes you. Like, I didn't think, I didn't think I'd be sitting here today talking to you almost at hitting 77,000 or I didn't think when I started in 2016 that at some point I would hit a hundred thousand subscribers. Like those thoughts never entered into my mind once, you know? I know what you're saying because it's, because a lot of people say you're putting a lot of hard work and, 
you probably never ever thought you'd even hit 70,000, 50,000, 10,000, you know, just, just something you tried and it's working very well. You know, it's, uh, it's, it's quite an achievement. It is. You want to be proud of yourself because it's, uh, it's, it's something you you can you can tell you're passionate about because you can, can you hear you can hear it in your videos you can see the, the amount of time you put in and it's, it's good to see it is um what was it like going to e3 uh mm. and meeting phil spencer and larry herbert and and the crew i um, mean it was it was amazing uh e3 was going to e3 was always a dream of mine and I was fortunate enough to meet Phil Spencer over Xbox Live in 2015. Uh, we became friends. We played Halo 5 together all the time. We'd even play other games. Uh, you know, I talked to him, uh, Twitter DMs, talked to him on Xbox Live parties. And then one time he basically said, hey, wouldn't it be cool if you broke a million gamer score on our stage? And I was like, wow, that, that would be amazing. Yeah. And it definitely seemed like an offer. And I followed up the, f- the next year and I asked him, hey, is that something you really wanted to do? Because if so, we can make it happen. And Phil was like, let me talk to my team and we'll see what they say. And he went back and talked to them and the team thought it would be a good idea. And then we went from, you know, and then, uh, you know, it was just kind of, hey, you're going to come to E3. You're going to do this thing. And it, it was super cool, like uh, meeting Phil, meeting Mike Ybarra, uh, you know, meeting Major Nelson, being a part of that. Is something I'll always cherish, and um, yeah, it's, it's something I think about. You know, I I think about you know maybe like once a month or something. Like, oh man, I was at E three, and how cool was that? Yeah. Meeting everybody, uh, you know, Tim Dog and my buddy Maka, uh, Southbound, and a lot of people uh, that were there supporting me along the way, and then yeah, like being on stage with Phil Spencer and Jessica Chobot and hitting a million gamer score for something so trivial, right? For something so trivial that I started as just kind of a thing I liked back in 2005. Like I just, I'd liked gamer score and I played a lot of games and I never thought in 2005 that somehow that would translate to me meeting a lot of people at Xbox and being friends with people and being invited out to E3 for this moment, which let's be honest, I wasn't number one to break it. Right, Stallion yeah. was number one to break it, and okay. Xbox did a whole thing with him. I yeah. was like number five, and the only reason it happened was because I was friends with Phil and Mike Ibarra. Yeah. If I wasn't friends with them, they wouldn't have done anything for it. And I, who could blame them? It's not number one; you're number five. Nobody, you know, nobody, nobody cares about number two and, and below, right? Okay. So it was just, it, it's, it's still incredible, like kind of everything how it worked out going from just something I like these gamer score. I love to play video games. It kind of fits my nature playing a lot. And then, Oh, that translated into eight. Hey, now you're friends with the head of Xbox to, Hey, look, we're, we're doing this podcast to starting up a YouTube channel to eventually a hundred thousand subscribers, all based around all that stuff. It's, uh, it's, it's pretty, it's, it's, it's pretty mind blowing, you know? I would, I would have to, I would have to agree. Um, indie game we just put. Did you beat Ori? Was I that did. right? Yeah, yeah, I beat Ori. They made me prep two games. Uh, one being Halo Five, uh, where okay. I beat it on Legendary, and uh, like beat like a really short level, like the Walk and Talk lever le- level. And there was that one, and then they had me prep Ori for beating the Definitive Edition. And if you know, like the end of Ori can be a little difficult, where you need to escape from the Owl. 
so yeah, I had to do that. And it took me a few tries when we were recording it. Uh, but I eventually was able to nail it and it felt pretty good. Uh, Jedzilla says, Hey, did they explain why they didn't want you to look at Phil? It was just one of those things where they, they put the like in before. So the way it was supposed to happen was me and Phil were supposed to like, he was supposed to interview me. It was supposed to be live and we were supposed to talk to each wow. other. Right. Yeah. But then they changed it and Jessica Chobot was interviewing Phil and then she was going to introduce me and then Phil was going to talk about it and I wasn't supposed to say anything. I wasn't even supposed to look at Phil and it was, it was just kind of very confusing and very last minute when I, when I got to the place and they're like, okay, so you're not going to speak. You're just going to stand there. Don't say anything to Phil. Don't really look at Phil, blah, 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 blah. And I was just kind of like, I was just like, what, what's going on? Like, I like, this wasn't what I was expecting. And I probably looked confused or whatever. Like, I know, uh, people watch the video and say like it's awkward or whatever, but like, well, why? Yeah, because I I, I was confused and I I didn't know what was going on. So, yeah, it was just and it was weird because it's like I had talked to Phil so many times before, like you know, just that day we had spent twenty minutes talking, and the night before we had spent forty five minutes talking. So it's not like I don't know Phil and Phil doesn't know me. It was just one of those things where it's like, yeah, we don't want you to look at him or speak to him. Just stand there, smile, blah 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 blah. And you know, yeah. So I'm sh- I'm sure it does look awkward because it did feel awkward. Uh, but you know, it's one of those memories that you can't replace. So exactly, it's, it's it's a memory that no one else can say they've got. It's your memory, and it it's it's, it's incredible. It's, it's incredible what what happened. I, I suppose with regards to what happened with Phil, a lot of that isn't always down to him, is it? The way they record stuff, it's. It's someone else is what they want. I presume they got. I presume they got a team dedicated to that kind of stuff. Yeah, hundred percent. The it's yeah. probably someone else's. Someone else's decision. It was in the end, but it did sound last minute. Maybe they changed their mind or on it. But you, you never know hundred percent, will you? But either way, it was. It's a really cool story. Thanks for sharing that, Rand. Yeah, no problem. Have you completed Hollow Knight? Um, I beat Hollow Knight. Nice. I don't have all the achievements for it, though. I just thought I'd ask because I know my good friend Indie Gamer loves Hollow Knight. I just thought oh, I'd ask. That Hollow Knight is incredible. I, I, I beat the game. I don't think I have all the achievements for it. I definitely don't have the achievements for any of the DLC. Uh, I beat the game. Yeah. I don't know how many achievements I have in it, but the game's great. Uh, love it. Yeah, no, that's good. That's good to hear because... Uh... It is a, it's a game in indie pushes for a reason because it's it's a small developer, but like even when you look at the next game, not many indie games have two and a half million views on on, on a on a trailer, do they? For, for, for the for the if you look on the YouTube channel, uh, the next the next Hollow Knight game has got two and a half million views. That's Just, a lot. It is, it is for an indie game, you see. So. It shows your hardcore gamer if you definitely completed Hollow Knight. It does. There's a lot of uh, indie. There's a lot of Hollow Knight love in the chat in a minute. There I is. can see. I can see all everybody loving Hollow Knight. Yeah, there is. Um, before you before you started up doing your own podcast, um, were you on any of us? I mean, I, I believe were you on? Are we on TXR years ago? Yeah, yeah, I was on TXR, uh, the original. Um, it was like uh, it was Southbound started it, and and he asked Tim Dog and myself to join, 
Um, he was the original host too, and then he wanted me to host. And then uh, we had we had we had Doc Cupcake on uh, here and there. Uh, Worry Wart was on here and there. Jeremy Downer was on here and there. Okay. Inferno joined from Four Guys with Quarters at one point. Uh, Maka joined at one point, and um, yeah, we we did it for I forget how many years or how many episodes. I think we started in 2016, maybe end of 2015, and I think we ended it uh sometime after e3 2017 is when i think we uh called it uh the uh you know we 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 decided we were you know txr was 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 over you know at least in its current at least in the original iteration of it oh fair enough and people if you want to find this podcast you can't they've got deleted yeah yeah someone someone deleted the original channel so all the episodes are gone yeah so you can't even can't even watch it anymore. We used to yeah. record, I believe, Monday nights. I think it used okay. to be Mondays at like 9 p.m. Central Time. So like 10 Eastern, uh, 7 p.m. Pacific. And we had some pretty good interviews. We interviewed Aaron Greenberg twice. We interviewed Tom- Thomas Mahler from uh, Moon Studios who had made Ori. We interviewed Ryan McCaffrey, uh, David Jaffe, uh, the pe- uh, a couple people from Compulsion Games. Um, so yeah, we, there's a lot of good content there that, uh, unfortunately will, uh, <laughs> nobody will ever see the light of day again because, no, uh, no. Like, it, was, it was deleted. Gaming. Yeah. Yeah. It, I invaded gaming on a while ago and obviously he's, he, he runs, he's on TXR now, he runs it with the guys and, uh, and he mentioned, but you, you were on TXR quite a few years ago, but he says, you can't find it stubs. They've all been deleted. Unfortunately, he says it's all gone. Yeah. Like, Damn. I wanted to check some of them out. I didn't own. I, I, by the way, it wasn't me who deleted it. I didn't. Oh, own, no, I didn't no. It wasn't the the owner of that uh, YouTube channel, so it wasn't me. Fair enough. Um, so, what was the inspiration for starting your highly popular podcast with Jez Corden at the Xbox Two? Uh the inspiration. Well, it, so me and Jez Corden had met at. Uh, you know, we 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 talked to each other on Twitter. And then we actually met uh, in real life at E3 2016. And we we talked quite a bit. We, we were waiting in lines. And then we kind of continued the friendship. Uh, and we, we would DM each other. And we would have some conversations in Skype talking about gaming and stuff. Yeah. And it just got to the point where he said one time, like, hey, you know, this is, this is awesome. And it's just a shame that nobody's ever going to be able to hear the conversations that we have. You know, what if we turn this into a podcast? And I was like, you know what? That could be really cool. So that's basically where the genesis of Xbox 2 came from. Me and Jez talking uh, to each other in Skype about gaming. And yeah, so we started uh, Xbox 2 uh, March of 2017-ish, I want to say. Now, funny enough, right? I listened to that first one. You didn't name it. Xbox no, it wasn't named. It wasn't named. But, but that one... It's quite funny because nearly everything you said about Xbox in that episode happened. Oh, what did I say? Oh, it was about you were talking about Xbox Scorpio, and there was all sorts in there. And it was like if you, if you go through a lot of your older stuff, a lot of it has actually come true years years later. You know, there's mm. loads of stuff in there. I've, I've gone through a lot of your stuff, and it's it's almost like I tend to know what I'm talking about. <laughs> yes, exactly. I know. Uh, yeah, so Xbox Two, the name came from um, uh, um, some, one, someone, I forget, 
Uh, now that I'm blanking on the name, uh, it's a, I, I know he's from Australia. Oh, oh stick figure, stick figure. He, oh, stick he, okay. we were like, Hey, what should we name the podcast? And he said, Xbox two. And we were, we both really liked it. So that's what we called it. The Xbox two, you know, at the time, a lot of the podcasts were, uh, a lot of people, right. Yes. Uh, six people, five people, four people. There wasn't a lot of uh, just, you know, one-on-one or, or, or dynamic, uh, you know, duo podcast. So we were like, ah, oh, this is going to be different than everybody else's. So that's, that's, that's why we named it Xbox two. And it's just been me and jazz. And uh, we really have never had guests on. And I think we have Mikey bar on at once, but that was it. And it's just been me and him um, kind of the way it's all been set up. But yeah, that's, that's how it was named and how we created it. And it's, we're still going. You know, like almost four years later, we're coming up on the four year anniversary. And I think our last episode on Saturday was episode 161. And, you know, nice. as anybody knows, we, we missed some, some weeks here and there. So, you know, it would be more, but yeah, 161 episodes of uh, Xbox two. So it's, I mean, I love doing it with jazz. He's awesome. So. Well, no, you do. You definitely, you definitely get that impression from the show because it works. It's just two of you. And, you are right. There is not many shows where it's just two people talking like best mates talking. And that's literally what it, what it is like. Um, yeah, it, it is good. Could you not have no guests as well? It's, it's, it's something different because obviously there is a lot of podcasts with six, seven, eight, nine, you know, panels, etc. And I, and I do a show like that and I'm, I'm guilty of having six people. on. I am, but, uh, you are, it, it, it's good. I also love the fact that, it's in download form. Has it always been in download form? No, it wasn't always in download form. Uh, a lot of people ask for the ability to listen to it on iTunes and Spotify and Google Play and all these different places. Yeah. And um, we didn't really know how to do that, but Jazz really, really wanted to. So he okay. figured it out. And I forget where, like in, like what number we started to put them on the podcast services, but we did and you know it's all about you know i don't want if you want to listen live and interact in live chat and support with super chat and memberships the channels like i would love that but you don't have to like all me and just care about is that you enjoy the show and you listen to it uh however is best for you if if it's best for you to listen to it live then that's great if it's best for you to listen to it a couple days later you know, uh, on uh, driving to and from work with something to take your mind off or you're, you're exercising and you want to listen to it on iTunes or, or wherever else, like then that's amazing. So it's like, we just want people to listen to it and enjoy the show, enjoy the banter and wherever you're, you listen to it is up to you. You know, we're, we don't want to force anybody to be like, well, if you want to listen to us, the only place you, you have to, the only place you listen to us is YouTube. So that's why uh, we, we put it up on all the different uh, services so anybody can listen to it the way they want to listen to it, the way it's most convenient for them. No, it's a really good show. I mean, I remember years, uh, when was it? A few, a couple of years. I'm sure you, you must have had it up on a podcast networks for at least a couple of years. Oh, yeah. We've we've had it up there for a couple of years. You're now in the algorithm. You, you, like, you do pop up, you know, in the, in the gaming bits on some of the services you do. So you must get some good numbers. You do. I mean, honestly, I don't know about the numbers on on iTunes. Jez might know about it. He handles all that stuff, but I honestly don't know. 
what it does on those other platforms. I only know because uh, what it does on YouTube because it's my channel, you it's know. Easy. So like yeah. I'm very very aware of what uh, things do on my channel. So are you like uh, do you do, like say with your video? If your video doesn't do as well, do you do a deep dive on what you did with the description and name the tags to make sure that um you do something different? Do you like do you do a lot of research on the tagging? I mean, I've researched I've researched how to like, you know, make there's really no catch-all answer to like get more views. You'll see that on YouTube. It's like, sure, you gotta tag your video properly, it helps, but if you don't tag your videos, it it suddenly won't just get zero views. So it does help. The most important thing is the title of your video and the thumbnail of your video, right? Like those are the two things people see right away, right? When they see it in your subscription box or when they see it recommended next, it's always the thumbnail and it's always the title. So, uh, and the topic, right? Whatever topic you're talking about. So it's always like YouTube will... YouTube, I'm sure most people know who do YouTube, like they'll rate your last 10 videos versus the previous nine. So it will be like, hey, your newest video is performing well or it's not performing well or it's overperforming and it'll give you details, right? Um, Basically, if a video is underperforming, YouTube will say it could be the topic, maybe it's the title, maybe it's the thumbnail uh, that's not appealing to you. And it's true. Sometimes I've switched out different thumbnails. Like a video was not doing very well. And sometimes it is the thumbnail. You, you, you switch out the thumbnail and, and put okay. a more, a better one. And suddenly the views go up. Uh, sometimes it's the title, the way you word things. Maybe it's too clickbaity. Maybe it's not very specific. Maybe it's too specific, spe- you know, specific, right? And it's not doing well because of that. So then you change the title and, and word it differently and it does better. Uh, but then sometimes not change, like you can change the thumbnail, change the title, nothing helps, might just be the topic nobody's interested in. Um, I mean, you can always kind of examine uh, what went wrong with the video. Um, sometimes it's on YouTube's end. Sometimes they don't send out notifications. So your subscribers don't know that you uploaded a video and there's nothing you can do to, you know, uh, stop that. You can only basically always reiterate in your videos. Hey, if you like the video, subscribe, hit the notification bell. So people are well aware of whenever you drop content. Um, so yeah, I mean, like I'm always thinking about this. Okay. It's always tagged, right? I always tag everything, right? Yeah. Um, I always try to make the thumbnails, you know, cold Eastwood makes the thumbnails for me. Oh, does it? Okay. I mean, a lot of the time, 90% yeah. of the time he makes the they thumbnails do, do, for me. I always uh, thought that they looked a little bit similar. I did. Well, sometimes he'll use what he makes in my thumbnail for his own, but like, um, I wanted my thumbnails to stand out and I'm yeah, very okay. crap at our artistic stuff. So sometimes I'll do it myself. Uh, but other times Colt will do it for me. And obviously like there's a price tag attached, nothing's for free. Right. So, um, but I wanted it to stand out. And so Colt is amazing at what he does, but then of course you gotta, you gotta title it correctly. And sometimes, you know, you know, like maybe you titled it wrong. Maybe there was a better way to, to, to title it. But yeah, I mean, sometimes when a video does really, really bad, like I've had videos do, oh, it's at an eight or a seven and I'll change the thumbnail or I'll change the title and it does better. But then sometimes I've done it and it and it just continues doing as bad as it has. And it's just, but like I said, you can't really get down on it. Sometimes it's the, you know, the year, like right now, 
you know, my views are, are, are down compared to what they were in uh, October and September and like, you know, August, but that's to be expected. So okay. it's nothing to get like too alarmed about. Um, but, uh, yeah, you can always, you can always change thumbnails and, and titles, but you can't change the topic. So if people aren't interested in the topic, then changing the title and the thumbnail is not going to do anything. If nobody wants to hear about, you know, X, Y, or Z, then no, then no matter what way you try to change things is going to get them interested in X, you know, in whatever you're talking about, you know? Oh, that's a great advice. Indie gamers come with another podcast question. Not sure if you'll know, but how has the podcast affected your growth on YouTube as a whole, Rand? Being live um, video content. So I think people have uh, in this community. I think there is um, sometimes people do have an over reliance of podcasts, and they think podcasts are supposed to grow your channel, right? But podcasts will never grow your channel, at least yeah. not to the point where you th- like will be getting thousands upon thousands of subscribers. Podcasts for me have always been for your dedicated fan base, the ones who really live or breathe everything you make. It's for them because you can have an extended conversation about it. Um, so the reason, like, and I'm sure, Indy, you're, what you're talking about is like, we started in 2017. We got a few hundred live watchers. Podcast does like a couple thousand views, right? And then as time goes on, uh, the podcast gets more live viewers and gets more viewership. And then this past year, uh, you know, we were getting 2000 live viewers, 3000 oh, live viewers, wow. 1500 live viewers. And the podcast were doing like 40 to 60,000 views. Now, sure. Some of that has to do with the time, you know, next gen consoles. Everybody wants to know about what's Xbox going to show at the game showcase. People are really interested in listening, but also at the time my channel was growing. I started that year, like 30, like 32,000 and uh, my channel started to get a lot of traction. I started getting a lot of new subscribers and a lot of those new subscribers started checking out the podcast. So the channel grows, more people check out the podcast. I think the problem is a lot of people expect the podcast to grow your channel and they get disappointed when it doesn't. What really grows your channel is uh, regular video content that you make. Because that is how you're going to bring in new people uh, to your channel for them to maybe become a fan of your podcast. So um, that would be my recommendation for anybody who's disappointed or frustrated with their subscriber growth that mainly relies on just podcasts. You're never really going to see what you want to see if you only do podcasts. Podcasts are for the hardcore. They're for your hardcore people of your channel. Um, and if you want to bring in new people, uh, I'm sorry to say this for anybody that doesn't like making regular videos, but you have to make regular videos. I understand why some people don't because making videos is a time consuming process. Whereas getting on a podcast, you just, all you gotta do is speak, you know, me and you stubs right now. We're just having a conversation. It's it's, It's pretty easy, right? Like we're not editing videos, you know, we're not laying in video. It's just, it's pretty simple. But someone new to your channel isn't, you know, someone who stumbles across your channel is going to watch and and be like, well, this thing's like an hour and 45 minutes long or however long it is. They may not want to watch it and they may not know 
about you and uh, what you think and your personality is. So then they, they don't, they don't subscribe and they don't watch. But if you put out a bunch of videos covering a bunch of different topics, uh, more people will watch it, be engaged. Maybe they subscribe, they watch other videos, they start liking what you, you say. And then, you know what? They, they watch the podcast and they like that. And then suddenly the podcast, which was, you know, had a few hundred people back in 2017 now has a few, you know, uh, a couple thousand people watching it. Right. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I always recommend, cause I've had people come to me and ask me like, how do I grow? How do I do this? And I'm just like, well, you got to put out regular videos. That's the way to do it. Uh, I know it can be time consuming. I know it doesn't make a lot of money, you know, some, and sometimes you got to speak to the elephant in the room. Uh, there are definitely a lot of people who do podcasts strictly because of super chats, you know, like, <laughs> yes. uh, and, and they look at it mm-hmm. as, uh, uh, well, I can do a podcast and get super chats where if I release a video and it only gets a thousand views, I'm only going to make, I don't know, 50 cents, depending on how much you get paid for a thousand views, which isn't a lot. So they don't really see the uh, immediate gratification as they would with the podcast where people donate money. Right. And I understand that, but this is, this isn't like an over, like an overnight sensation. Uh, It's, it's a continued grind that you, you start like dealer started in 2015 and he's been grinding out every single year to get to the point where he's at right now. I started in 2016, grinded out to get to the point at right now. And, and trust me, like okay. I'm not a, I'm not huge or anything like that. Like my channel's not, not big, especially in comparison to a lot of other people's, but it's been a long journey to get there. And I think some people, um, <clears throat> they, they compare themselves to you, right? Uh, they look and be like, well, uh, I should be where that person's at. And I always say comparison is the thief of joy. You shouldn't compare yourself yeah. with anybody else. You should only be happy with what you're doing. And there are there things you could do better? Uh, if there is, then you should implement them. Um, so, it, yeah, people, all, when they, they look at you, they always look at like where you are now, but they don't remember or want to think about the journey that you've gone on. And so, like, I know people will look and be like, hey, you know, Cold Eastwood's at 130 subscribers, which is amazing. He got a plaque from YouTube, right? He's got a little yeah. check mark on there. Yeah. And they think, well, why sh- why am why am I not why do I not have 130,000 subscribers? I'm as good as Colt, right? Or I'm as good as, as good as Rand or Dealer. But then it's like, well, have you put in the time? Have you put in the effort? Have you been doing this for six years? And it's like, well, no, because uh, people only see where you're at. And they don't, they don't, they don't see the journey, you know, for you to get there. So, um, my rec, my advice would be don't compare yourself to anybody else. And if you really, really want to grow your content, you got to do more than just podcasts. You, you got to do more poc- You got to do more regular videos than you do podcasts. In Excellent my opinion. Because when Dealer was on, well, when Dealer came on last year, he echoes your comments. He said, that when he started RDX, he didn't want to do a podcast. It was uh, it was a lot of his fan base on his on his you know watching his videos were requesting it. And after so long, he, he started one up. He says, but he says it was vid- his videos that keep um, that, that grow your channel. He said not podcasts, and that and echoes the same comments of what you've said, which is good because videos grow. I know, I know I'm a bit of a hypocrite because I don't really make many many videos, but 
you know. I mean, I under, I understand. Like people, they put out a video, right, and it doesn't do well, and they get discouraged. Trust me, I've been there. I've been through it. We've all made videos that didn't do as well as you thought, and completely bombed, and you know, whatever. Yeah. Like I, I've been there. But like, yeah. it's a process. You can't just start doing it and expecting immediate results and success right away because if it was that easy, everybody would be doing it. True. It's something that yeah. just takes time and commitment. You know, you want, and, and one of the other things YouTube really, really hammers on is consistency. You have to put out content. I'm not saying you got to put out daily content. I'm not even saying you got to put out like, a videos every other day, but you have to be consistent, you know, like, a video a week, two videos a week. Yeah. Uh, like you need to kind of start that and you need to be like, okay, this is going to be uh, a process from the start. Like a lot of people think like, I'm just going to be a success. I'm going to make this video. It's going to get tens of thousands of views, but that's not the way it goes. It's, it's always, it's, you know, you put out a video and it only gets a thousand views and people get discouraged. Cause it's like, wait a minute, I have, 15,000 subscribers, I should be getting more than the thousand, but it's like, you have to, you, you just got to keep on grinding. And, you know, uh, even for me, like some of my videos would do very well. And it wasn't really until last year where suddenly everything started to click whether, and that's also like, like we mentioned earlier, I changed how I present my videos. I changed how I speak in my videos. I changed my editing process in my videos I changed the thumbnails of my videos to make them more stand out. I kind of changed more. I went to more SEO game for the titles and it worked out well for me, but it was also a process that I had been doing for four years. And I, I, you know, it's not something that happened completely overnight. Nice. It's, It's good to see where you came from to where you are now. Do you, do you think you'll ever hit the point where YouTube could be your full time job or would you, would, you, would you want to be at that level at some point in, in, in the near future? Um, I mean, it would be cool for sure. Um, but then if it becomes your full-time job, you know, you, you start to look at it like, this is something I need to do. I need to have a video out, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, right? Because, you know, I need to make money. Because then it then becomes more about like money. Like, uh, where, like I started this as a hobby, um, you know, the money part wasn't ever factored in. Um, would it be cool to like one day be like, you know what? Yeah. I, I, am at that point now where people love the videos and they watch and it becomes, you know, it makes me enough money where I don't have to have another job. Like, yeah, that'd be cool. But, uh, but also there's, uh, you know, there's always downsides that come with that. Do I expect this to last forever? I mean, it's probably not going to last forever, right? Um, so, I mean, it would be nice. I'm not expecting it. And I certainly don't treat it right now like it is. It's just something I do on the side that is is doing pretty well. And if one day ever, it, you know, it it becomes like, oh, you can you can do this and the only thing you can do, I would be wary about it just because like this is all fickle. You know what I mean? Yeah. As, e- as, as easy as it came, maybe it could go away yeah, the, and then it, you're left with nothing, you know? I suppose it's a fear of if it was your living, would you trust it? Because you could wake up one morning and you choose to decide, oh, we've suspended your account. You know, yeah. That, or, that kind of stuff does happen. 
Or like with Mixer, you had people quit their jobs to stream on Mixer, and then Microsoft decided that they didn't want Mixer anymore and got rid of it. And then what do you do? You quit your job to stream, and sure, some of them went to Twitch and became successful, but a lot of them didn't. You know, it's always it's always stressful if you're putting your career in the hands of a tech conglomerate, right? Yeah, Uh, that could go away. That could think, hey, you know what? YouTube's not in our business plan anymore, and then you don't have anything. So I'm I'm grateful for all the support I get. You know, all the every time we do the podcast, there's always people that uh, join the channel or you know support. Uh, with super chat, I'm very grateful for the people that that do that, which is why I always try to shout them out or answer their questions on the podcast because they're they're showing that extra level of support. And I appreciate everybody who watches my videos that I put out. Uh, you know, I, I don't put out like if there's more stuff to talk about, I put out more videos. But like anybody who sees that notification pop up, if they're if if they hit that bell or they see it in their uh, notification box or their subscription uh, box, and they see Rand's video and then they have to watch it and they watch a lot of the video, and uh, you know that's something that means the world to me, honestly, uh, because I mean you're taking the time out of your day. Everybody's got a busy day. Everybody's got things they do. Everybody feels down, right about current situation of the, that we're living in okay. everybody's got stuff to do so the fact that people choose to click on that video and watch the videos for as long as they do um is if it's very it's very rewarding you know what i mean oh no i could definitely see because have you ever had any situations where you've had special like fans have said to you, you've helped them through a really tough part of the life or you've you know with it being locked down in the world your podcast or your videos have made have made my time better. Um, I've had a couple messages. I've had a couple messages like that where people said, "Hey, you know, uh, you helped me out through a dark period of time." I don't know what to say to that. Like, I always say, like, I'm just a regular dude, like everybody else. You know what I mean? Like, I yeah. it, it's still very weird to me. And all I say is, like, well, thank you for the message. You know, I hope whatever you're going through is, you know you overcome it. You know, if I can just be, uh, you know, uh, a bright light in that darkness, then, you know, so be it. Um, I've had a few of those and I do get a lot of messages all the time. Uh, it's hard to really answer them all and Twitter DMS or on Xbox live, but I try my best. So nice. It's nice though. No, you, yeah, it's so rewarding. You know, because you, you probably don't feel like your con, obviously you like your content, but, some people really enjoy it that much that they, they feel the need to message you, which is quite nice, isn't it? It's not just a comment. It's gone out their way to say how much they like your work and you've helped them through. Or they maybe that, that's any podcast I listen to that week and it it, cheered, it made their week, you know? It's yeah. It's really rewarding. No, yeah, it definitely can be. Definitely, definitely is, you know? It is. But, yeah, no, it's been it's been a good show tonight, Rand. Have you got any final... Final advice to any expiring podcasters or or future content creators. Um, let's see. You've covered a lot if, of it though. If you if you want to do podcasts and videos, I would say you got to make sure you sound good. So you have to invest in a good microphone. If you sound like crap, people aren't going to want to listen to you. You know, if your voice okay. doesn't sound uh, so, if, so the mic that you use is important. Make sure you get a good like that's like step one, right? Yeah. Um. Uh, video wise, I, I know, you know, not everybody can subscribe to Adobe Premiere Pro. So there are other uh, s- platforms out there that will get you uh, 
what you need for free. Uh, try those out. Uh, work with it. Just basically get your voice out. You know, the, they, the videos don't have to be 15 minutes long. They don't have to be it's whatever you think, how long the video needs to be. But it's something that definitely, if you're really, really wanting to do this, then you got to really make a consistent effort. Like I'm going to make a video every single Monday. Or I'm going to make a video every Monday and Thursday, right? Uh, you need to do that because once you fall off, you're probably never going to go back. That's kind of what it is, right? Like, oh, well, I'm on a diet. I cheated on this diet. I'm no longer on the diet. I think some people kind of view content creation like that. They don't see the immediate success. They're spending all this time and they're not getting a lot in return. So they stop. But that's not how this works. Like it needs, you need, you need to be very consistent. Um, and I mean, sure. Video production level on the, on the, the level of cold Eastwood or dealer will help, but nobody expects that. Like they, they go above and beyond. And that's something if you want to do in your videos, you know, you want to learn how to do it. You, you, you add it in three years, you can, but it's about getting your voice out there. It's about, you know, sounding good, obviously with the, with the mic. And it's just about like getting, being consistent, letting people know that you're here. Um, and, and that's the way to go. Like, that's kind of the, you know, how, and then as you go, like I've changed, right. I've, I've listened to what people want from the channel. I've listened to what, Hey, what do you think I do wrong? What do you think I do right? And I, I've changed my style over the course of time to basically more or less uh, fit in with what I think people want to hear. And, uh, but it's a long process. It's a very long process. And it's just something you got to stick with it. If you, you know, really want to kind of uh, see any sort of growth. I guess. Yeah, that's great advice, Ron. That is, I'm trying to work on the quality of my mic recently, trying to get it just right. I am. Uh, I'm not quite there, but I'm, I'm getting there. Mm -hmm. You know, it's a learning process. It is. I didn't realise till recently my mic was set up wrong. You know, but oh, we, really? learn, we learn these things. Yeah. We. we you, I, I wasn't speaking directly into the mic. I was quite far away from the mic. Ah, yeah. So, um, indie game was helping me to try and adjust things so it could be because I've got a blue, I've got a blue snowball mic. I have. I was just using it wrong. I was, but hopefully over the next few weeks I'll, I'll get it to be a lot better. I will. But some great advice there for for new content creators or expiring podcasts out there, friend. It's been Link. excellent. It's been excellent to have on the show, and it's been a barrel of knowledge. Yeah, it really dropped some great knowledge for people to, to soak in if they if they want to try it um at the end of the day but yes it's been an incredible show yeah so you want to tell people where they can find you because we're also on uh download uh sorry podcast networks as well yeah. right i mean um you can follow me on my youtube channel is randall thor uh well youtube.com slash randall thor 19 um Everything's there, like links to Twitter, uh, my Xbox profile. You know, it's just Randall Thor nineteen. Um, so yeah, if you if you want to follow me uh, there, I talk mostly about Xbox. Ninety nine percent of my videos are about that. I also do a podcast every Friday with Jess Corden of Windows Central called the Xbox Two Podcast. Um, you can listen to that on my YouTube channel or search for it on iTunes or you know uh, Spotify and those places. It's there as well. Um, so yeah, check it out if you're interested, but thank you for inviting me on stubs. It was, uh, it was fun.
It was a nice change, uh, a change of pace instead of talking about rumors and events and Bethesda and yeah, there all was that someone stuff. Up, there was someone you know? popped into chat that said, are you going to talk about the Bethesda uh, event? And I put no. Okay, thanks. I mean, <laughs> that that person might be interested in the video I'm probably going to be putting out in a little yeah. bit because I was working on a video before I joined. Yeah. I didn't finish it though, so when we end here, I'm definitely about to go finish that video because I have to edit the audio and I have to layer the the video. So, uh, probably in an hour and a half, maybe two hours, that video will be out. Um, so yeah, yeah. So it's been been the fun show. Thanks for tuning tuning in, everyone. I appreciate it. Sorry I didn't shout everyone out, but I wanted to get the conversation rolling around more rather than shout everyone out. But I appreciate it. Um, I'll do I'll do a couple at the end. Uh, Dreadpool, Pong Soul, Indie Gamer, Z Black Rider, Judzilla, uh, War Stew was in as well. Uh, VJ, thanks for stopping by. Muppet, Indie, uh, Invader Gaming, and uh, Daz, thanks for all stopping by. And I'll see you all soon.